are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to this Friday edition of Locked On Dolphins. I am your host, Kyle Krabs. It's Chiefs game week, which means we have to craft and perfect the game plan to give the Miami Dolphins the best chance to unseat the Kansas City Chiefs in Week 14 at Hard Rock Stadium, Sunday, 1 p.m. So you already know what we're getting into today. This is this is the formula. This is what we'll be discussing in depth as we break down uh, th- this very challenging matchup for the Miami Dolphins. Today's episode is brought to you by Pepsi. This football season will be different, and Pepsi's here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is a refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels, because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. The Krabs household added an additional member to the League of Football Watchers yesterday. Baby watch in the Crabs household is over. If you've listened, if you're a regular listener of Locked On Dolphins, uh, we've talked over the past week about this looming addition to the Crabs household. And Madeline Elizabeth Crabs joined the world yesterday on Thursday at 12.24 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. A beautiful six-pound, six-ounce baby girl. And I have just completely fallen in love with already. And I'm happy to report to everybody listening to the podcast that the first song of this little girl's life was the Miami Dolphins fight song. Not the T-Pain BS. No, no. No, the real deal. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. My wife, who was a rock star, superhero effort in the delivery room yesterday. We went in uh, around 3 a.m. on Thursday morning and... Um, delivered the baby around lunchtime and, and my my wife was terrific throughout the entirety of it and um you know we're, we're holding the baby in the skin to skin and uh just kind of dawned on me that there's there's no music in there you know there was no music during the delivery and uh so I pulled out the phone and pulled up the fight song and, and christened maddie's miami dolphins fanhood experience for the rest of her life she ain't getting away from it, because no matter what happens from here on out, the first song of her life was the Dolphins fight song. I thought you guys would enjoy that, um, and, and definitely enjoying getting all the Dolphins onesies and stuff out, and, and blankets, and uh, she's going to be here on Sunday at home, here in the Crabs household, rooting for the Dolphins against the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, there's... Plenty of hurdles to clear getting into the game plan that the Dolphins are going to have to put on display to beat the Chiefs. And I think a great place to start is player availability. Dolphins had some players, prominent players, Kyle Van Noy, Eric Flowers, Elan and Roberts, on the injury report. They had a bunch of bodies listed, but those guys, along with Savan Ahmed, uh, unavailable throughout the early week with practice. The Miami Dolphins will go into battle against the 11-1 Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday. And the team got some good news in regards to which players will and will not be available to play against the favored Chiefs. The Dolphins will be without offensive lineman Eric Flowers, who injured his ankle 
in Week 13 against the Cincinnati Bengals, and will also be without running back Savan Ahmed, who's dealing with a shoulder injury and did not participate in practice all week long. But the Dolphins did get players back to practice on Wednesday that should help the defense hold as well as possible against Patrick Mahomes in the Kansas City offense, seeing linebackers Kyle Van Noy and Elandon Roberts return after missing Wednesday and Thursday practices. The Dolphins have seen a number of other players on the injury report throughout the course of the week, but the Dolphins will have every other player available to them to play based on the practice availability throughout the course of the week. So names like... Miles Gaskin, Jakeem Rant, Xavier Howard, Solomon Kinley, Malcolm Perry, Adam Shaheen, Tua Tungvaloa, Andrew Van Ginkle, DeAndre Washington, and Shaq Lawson, all on the injury report for various minor injuries that did not prevent any of those players from practicing in at least a limited participation level throughout the entirety of the week. So Miami, knowing full well you have two players who will be off limits in Savan Ahmed and Eric Flowers, Additional two players unavailable in Jamal Perry, who was placed on the reserve COVID-19 list, and running back Matt Breida, who is still on the reserve COVID-19 list after being placed there last week. Those four players out of the picture. Everybody else for the Dolphins will be either questionable or better, with only really Elan and Roberts and Kyle Van Noy expected to be questionable to play. Everybody else included on the injury report throughout the course of the week Expected to be available, no questions asked, barring some crazy unforeseen setback for the Miami Dolphins. That's good news. Uh, The Dolphins, I thought their offensive line actually performed admirably well without Eric Flowers into the picture. Throughout the course of the remainder of the game against the Cincinnati Bengals, after Flowers left that game in the midway portions of it after getting rolled up on, rookie Solomon Kinley, impressive. And I do think Jesse Davis... His cross-training, his ability to play a number of different positions, it really does help the Dolphins minimize their impact of shuffling the offensive line or continuing to move pieces around because Davis, he's worked at left tackle, he's worked at right tackle, he's worked at right guard, he's worked at left guard. He he has experience working in some capacity next to uh, four-fifths of the Dolphins' offensive line. So that's great news for the Dolphins, and I thought Jesse Davis, like Solomon Kinley, played admirably well despite not playing their de facto position uh, for the majority of the season. Kinley with the foot injury expected to play. I'll be interested to see how that storyline plays out for the Dolphins as far as Eric Flowers is a veteran player. He's a player who signed a three-year, $30 million contract. He does have a significant amount of guarantees in his contract in 2021. But what does that look like for Miami? Does Miami ultimately see a higher ceiling with Solomon Kinley, which I believe there probably is? Miami knew what they were getting in Eric Flowers when they made the commitment to sign him. They were getting an average to above-average starting offensive guard at the NFL level, but you're paying him a premium because it's free agency on the open market with a salary cap that at the time was $200 million per team. That's the risk of doing business in free agency, and that's why you see so much of the Dolphins' team-building trends skewing towards building by volume via the NFL draft. Which kind of builds us our nice first segue, right, into offensively what the Dolphins need to do 
to win this football game on Sunday. This is not a game you ever anticipate. You never anticipate playing an elite quarterback and expecting to score 21 points and win the football game. Uh, Miami is going to have to generate points. They're going to have to generate. They're probably going to need 30-plus to win the football game. That's just the way it is when you play the Chiefs. So, with that in mind, how does Miami get there? Uh, I do think the upside and ceiling of Austin Jackson and Solomon Kinley playing next to one another on the left side of the line and then seeing Jesse Davis and Robert Hunt who have chemistry with one another because they've been playing alongside one another off and on throughout the course of the season, uh, I do think that has the potential to continue to unlock more appeal in the running game. And I can hear Dolphins fans already, oh my goodness, you've got this young stud quarterback. Don't waste him. Don't run the ball 30 times in the game. And I don't disagree. Uh, I said this last week against the Bengals, and I'll say it again. Miami is a team that is going to have to pass to set up the run. They do not have the luxury of being able to pound the rock and then convert to play action. You're going to have to spread them out. Ideally 12 personnel, but that's neither here nor there. And you're going to have to gouge them with mismatches and spacing issues and then run the ball when they look to spread out and take away the spacing issues that you're presenting them with the personnel and formations you have on the field. Tempo, I know tempo is the name of the game. Everybody wants to talk about no huddle and playing fast and, and how important that is for Miami and how good Tua looked doing it. And I don't disagree, uh, but I would somewhat echo the sentiments of Brian Flores and Shane Gailey to say, remember, they did play the Bengals. Now, Brian Flores and Shane Gailey did not say that, but they said on a week-to-week basis, there is different pros and different cons to playing traditional tempo versus quick tempo and no huddle, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. If your game plan is chock full of concepts that your quarterback feels really comfortable with, then he can play fast because he's seen it plenty of times. I would not be surprised to see that little jet, rocket, whatever you want to call it, motion with Jakeem Grant with the touch pass. I know everybody's all upset about Jakeem because he dropped a couple balls. Uh, and listen, that's, that's kind of been the book on Jakeem. That's kind of just the way it is, right? So I would not be surprised to see that become somewhat of a persistent presence and staple in the off. That's an Alabama thing, guys. That is a great example of something that the Alabama Crimson Tide did and Tua got a bunch of quote-unquote cheap touchdowns because of it. Is anybody complaining that Jakeem Grant got 39 yards receiving on two jet passes? Are we complaining that that, that that was 39 passing yards for Tua Tungvaloa? No. He's the perfect kind of player for that, and that's the kind of player you talk about being a quote-unquote gadget player. I think Miami has plenty of potential with Jakeem Grant in this football game to create some explosive plays between looks like that. And Miami does this thing. Um, they've done it out of one, uh, three by one, and they've done it out of two by two. Uh, they do different route patterns to the top and the bottom of the screen or to the field and to the boundary when they're RPOing. So inside the box is going to go inside zone. And you got the quarterback in the gun, back offset to either side. 
And if you go two by two, Miami will run, they've done double slant, so they've done slant flat. And then on the other side, they run, uh, J.T. O'Sullivan's referred to it as a now screen. And that's a lot of times either tightly aligned receivers or a stack alignment where one is aligned directly behind the other. The player on the line of scrimmage is a bigger body. It might be Mike Gusecki. It might be Devontae Parker. But he attacks. If somebody's pressing on the line of scrimmage, he steps up and attacks and presses that. And the player behind, who in this case would be Jakeem Grant, takes two steps back away from the line of scrimmage to catch. If Tua wants to catch and throw right away, if they're playing 10 yards off and it's two over two, then he'll get that ball out quick and it becomes effectively punt return right. Where it's, you got to set up one block and you got to beat one guy and that's it for that third of the field with Jakeem Grant. That kind of opportunity should be there for Miami. And then if they go three by one, that's where I've really liked this now screen look for the Dolphins. They go three by one, the backside kind of converts to back shoulder fade. And you've got three players and they're extended fairly far out. They're not, they're not attached close to the line of scrimmage because you want to turn it into as much of an island as you possibly can. And you'll have... Mike Gusecki's usually in the bunch. You'll have whoever the non-Devante Parker is is usually in the bunch. And then Jakeem Grant is the outside player off the ball. So that way he has a clean alley to step back. And all the inside two players, whoever's on the line of scrimmage, the big-bodied receiver, and Mike Gusecki, who's a lot of times, he's been at the point, but a lot of times he's off the ball inside technically at, at the third wide receiver position if you're reading it from the outside in. They take slight outward angles, and they run right at the defenders playing coverage. And they squeeze it down as quickly as possible so that ideally, Jakeem could, theoretically, we have not really seen them take advantage of this a lot yet. We saw Ryan Fitzpatrick, of all guys, do it once with Jakeem Grant two weeks ago. You can get that ball out immediately, and as he's catching the ball, those blocks are hitting because they're playing soft spaces when you're going to throw that. Those kinds of looks that kind of RPO, you literally have a give option. And depending on what the coverage options are, you've got different reads to either side of the field, but you got to make your mind up on where you want to go based on pre-snap and then immediate safety rotation. That, that's the name of the game. That's how you loosen up the Chiefs defense, create some chunk plays, create big scoring opportunities. Two is going to have to play lights out. We already knew that, right? Tua Tagovailoa is going to have to play some of his best football. Now, here's the good news. You look at Tua Tungvaloa's entire career at the college football level. A lot of his best play came on the biggest stages. This football game is going to be played for approximately 50% of the country. Including up here in Middletown, Delaware, where my household's going to have it on. It's going to be nice to not uh, tap into either a friend's direct TV login or, or, or some of the stream, streaming sites out there that uh, offer you each of the NFL games on a weekly basis. Tungvaloa did make it sound like the Dolphins have something different in their back pocket for this game. Uh, Tua said Chan's got some good stuff in the red zone force. Obviously, Dolphins' red zone struggles the last two weeks have been prominent. They've been big issues. Uh, it was especially frustrating against the Bengals. 
Uh, Miami did run a couple of RPOs down there. One of them, Tua, did not ride the mesh long enough. Otherwise, he could have pulled and, and hit uh, Adam Shaheen for a wide-open touchdown. And they clearly like their athleticism mismatches, throwing fades to Mike Gusecki for one that actually did go for a touchdown or jump ball. Throwing several to Devontae Parker. Throwing one to Adam Shaheen out of, uh, I believe it was 22 personnel or 23. Uh, yeah, it was 22 personnel. And they shifted him out wide, and it was a one-on-one and threw him a jump ball. What matchups will they like the best against Kansas City? I like matchups against their linebackers. You're going to have to be wary of the Honey Badger. Tyron Matthew is a stud football player. Chris Jones in the middle. I'm sending Ted Karras his way no matter what whether it's against Jesse Davis or if it's against Solomon Kinley, Ted Karras, in my opinion, should be stepping to the direction of Chris Jones every single play. Now, that gets into a lot of added uh, layers as far as what for, how you're implementing your formations and have, being able to shift them and move them and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so unless Kansas City is going to play very static, which I don't expect they will, and, and just kind of give you the same looks over and over again, there's going to have to be a little bit of pre-snap manipulation to get the play set properly. And that's some of the more challenging dynamics of, of playing quarterback in the NFL level, especially as a rookie. Defensively, how do you beat the Chiefs? Oh, Lord. I hope they shoot themselves in the foot. It's a good start. They're loading. This team is loaded offensively quarterbacks a stud everybody knows how good Patrick Mahomes is the skill players is an embarrassment of riches you think about Tyree Kill Travis Kelsey Clyde Edwards Hilaire they got Le'Veon Bell Sammy Watkins Miko Hardman Robinson's been good for them I mean that's you're, you're seven deep on just the skill players. It's unbelievable how explosive and potent they are. And um, the the book on them is kind of interesting, though. Buffalo did this, and uh, to a certain degree, Denver did this and had some success. And it does kind of play into Miami's hand as far as what we've seen their script look like in other games this season. It's a variation of Ben Don't Break. Give them the stuff underneath and let them nickel and dime you down the field instead of the blink and you'll miss it plays vertically over the top. Stylistically, that does at times clash with the aggressiveness that Miami likes to implement on third and long. And that's understandably a great time to heat it up. But if you're going to heat up Patrick Mahomes, you better get, you better get there quick and untouched. Because what if you don't, what happens is a lot of times when teams blitz Patrick Mahomes, he fades in the pocket, but he's so good with his arm. His arm is so talented that the ball can still get out later and still arrive to a receiver on time and accurately, despite the fact that his feet aren't set, his platform's not correct. All those he breaks all the coaching rules. He's a, he's the glitch in the matrix, is what Patrick Mahomes is. So You've either got to be inside his head to to jump the routes that you know he's going to hit when you do blitz him and you don't get home, 
or you have to manufacture the most GD free runners you have in your entire life. It's an unenviable task. But uh, this could be one of those games where Miami is outgained by 120 yards and it's a one-score game with an opportunity to win. Because that's all you can hope for. All you can hope for is to exchange some touchdowns for field goals with Kansas City. Allow the shortening of the field when you get down to the red zone to do the work for you to prevent getting beat vertically over the top with all of their team speed. And then you got to hope you make a couple clutch plays, you get a couple key bounces of the ball, you can score enough on their defense so that it is a one-score game, and then, hey, maybe that's when one of those bounces comes and you make a play and you win the football game. That should sound familiar because that's how Miami has played. Think about how they played Buffalo. And that was a game the first time they played in Week 2 at Hard Rock Stadium that went exactly to that script. Miami is down four points with five minutes left, and they're th- the Bills have the ball third and seven in midfield. If they get a stop, they get the ball back with a chance after moving the ball really well in the entirety of the second half to go down the field, score a touchdown, minimize the amount of time left on the clock, and win the football game. Josh Allen goes over the top and John Brown for a 50-yard touchdown pass. Seattle Seahawks, 17-15. Dolphins in the game. They continue to force stops. We were real close to seeing them punch the ball into the end zone a couple of times. They kick a field goal, cut it to two. Okay, let's get another stop on Russell Wilson here in the second half. We'll get the ball back. Touchdown could win us the game if we're able to control the clock, get down there and kick. Russell Wilson goes six plays down the field in the end zone for a touchdown in the final five minutes of the game. Dolphins immediately turn it over. Give it back. Seahawks score again. Dolphins lose by eight. You're literally a bounce of the ball the other way in both of those games. Those are the best two teams that the Dolphins have lost to this season. Yeah, pour one out for the Patriots, guys. Six and seven. The Dolphins, by the way, have a chance to formally eliminate the New England Patriots from the 2020 postseason next week in week 15. It's a conversation for another day, but I am putting that on your radar The Dolphins were the team that killed the Tom Brady era in New England, not with their win in the playoffs like Tennessee did, but by costing New England the first-round bye that they so frequently just rely on every single year, year in and year out. Dolphins won last year, Week 17. Miami win this year, Week 15, could send the Patriots home for good and ensure the Patriots do not have a winning season. The best they could be with a loss to Miami Week 15 is 8-8. But again, conversation for probably next Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, because it's Chiefs week. Um, And then obviously Miami lost to Denver and gave up 20 points, and it is what it is. If I could have one back, I'd have the Bills game back. I would not have the Broncos game back. The Bills game hurt me the most. Go back and listen to that that show that Monday. Uh, that was a big loss, and, and we're feeling the pressure and ramifications of that now from starting 0-2 on the season and 0-2 in the division. Because now, Miami, you've got three games left before you play the Bills. You're a game behind. You don't have the tiebreakers. 
you have to be plus one in the win column versus Buffalo over the next three weeks, and you play the Kansas City Chiefs in one of those games. It's not great. It's not great. But not a percurt, nothing that's going to eliminate the Dolphins from making the postseason, just could be the difference between being a wild card and being the AFC's champions in the year 2020. That's kind of where we're at, guys. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed kind of the breakdown, my thoughts. Ben, don't break on defense. Get into the red zone. Look to generate some turnovers. Thankfully, Xavier Howard is expected to be fully available, no limitations, after being listed on the injury report throughout durations of uh, the week this week. Offensively, chunk plays kind of went through RPOs and, and passing to set up the run, how you can get there. I think some of the, the matchups on the offensive line Sending Ted Karras as help towards Chris Jones a lot will go a long way, and how much Kansas City moves him around could dictate how fast the tempo goes for the Dolphins. Let's hope for the best, guys. These, these, these Dolphins are going to revel in being the underdog. That is a dynamic here that we shouldn't overlook. The Dolphins have gone from being completely disrespected to now getting some level of respect to now being back to an 8-4 and four home team playing for their playoff lives against an 11-1 and Kansas City Chiefs team and being touchdown underdogs. Play that disrespect, disrespect card, Brian Flores. Please do. And if you go out there and you win the football game, I'd be real surprised if anybody disrespects the Miami Dolphins again for the rest of the season. But that hat, you have to earn it. And that opportunity... If I'm Brian Flores, I'm telling you, the opportunity to earn the respect and put to bed the doubt about you as a football team, it's right here. You win this football game, nobody cares that you beat the Rams anymore. The 9-4 LA Rams who layeth the smacketh down on the New England Patriots last night. Nobody cares that Miami beat them. What looked like a signature win against the Arizona Cardinals, that no longer, no longer looks as impressive because the Cardinals have begun to fray a little bit. Win this football game and see how the see how the narrative shifts. You can hate me now, but don't love me later. That's what I'm telling the Dolphins. And it's all right there. Put your best foot forward. Play 60 minutes of inspired football. Kind of outline some things of how I would choose to go about putting together a game plan to give the Dolphins the best chance to beat the Chiefs. We'll see how much the Dolphins' actual game plan looks like it on Sunday. And on Monday, we'll talk about it. So hit subscribe. Keep it locked in right here on Locked On Dolphins. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs. Thanks, as always, for listening. Fins up. Talk to you guys on Monday.